0: Here, it's the first episode of the Sports Marketing Scotland podcast with me, Chris Sampson. I thought it'd be good to kick us off with a little bit of a look at the state of play currently in sports marketing in Scotland, uh, with a little bit of a bias towards football, but many of the points we discussed are very relevant across a number of sports in the country. Uh, I was joined by Duncan Mackay. You'll know him from the Terrace Podcast and a view from the Terrace TV show. He's one of the most passionate and insightful Scottish football fans I've had the pleasure of speaking to over the years and I thought he'd make a great guest to cover off the state of play. Some of what we discussed uh, in the podcast or what we're about to discuss as you're listening might come across as negative, but I do think it's a reflection of the current state of things. If you don't think the marketing of sport in Scotland could be even better than it currently is, then I'm not sure this episode is for you. I'm not sure the podcast is for you. Uh, If you do, thankfully choose to keep on listening, which obviously I hope you do, uh, then I do hope you'll take away a few ideas and think similarly to Duncan and I that we just want to make things as good as they possibly can be. Once you've had a listen, uh, it'd be massively appreciated if you could share the episodes on your social channels and get in touch too if you've got any thoughts on what we discussed. I'm on Twitter at SportsMarketSchool or you can email me Chris at sportsmarketingscotland.co.uk Enjoy the episode Duncan uh, welcome to the podcast can you just introduce yourself to to any listeners
1: Yeah uh, hi I'm Duncan Mackay I am involved in the Terrace podcast and sometimes uh, you'll see me on a view from the Terrace and generally just running my jaw on Twitter basically (laughs)
0: that's the best that's the best way to be <laughs> um I, I guess obviously you've touched on your your footballing uh kind of experience there but actually you don't work in football on a day-to-day basis what what is your job as well
1: yeah uh, so i work in public affairs and communications uh, i work for uh, an organization in the higher education sector i'll probably not name them just to uh, save them the embarrassment um but before that i worked in um public affairs and public relations agency and then before that worked at the parliament um and um you wouldn't think so but actually <laughs> the, uh, there's a few things i'll probably say that 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 are f- true for both worlds um and i think that, that yeah there's a lot of similarities in them that they both command a lot of attention uh across uh, media and uh people's minds
0: yeah de- definitely uh i probably won't disagree with that one um I guess obviously from that working background and then getting involved in football and obviously everybody in Scotland loves it so much anyway, but why did off-the-pitch matters in Scottish football interest you so much?
1: Um, I don't know. I honestly don't think I could say, but I think they just always have, if that makes sense. Um, so like I suppose my the first game I ever went to, I was six years old and it was uh, Hibs versus Dunfermline in the Skull Cup final. So Hibbs win a cup in my first game, and that kind of uh, ruined football for me for for several years. Um, But I suppose at that age, uh, like me and my brother, just obsessed with football, and, and I suppose at that age, you are just like a sponge like so you're reading you're reading like I've, my, my dad had football books so you're looking at all well at that age just looking at the pictures um you're looking you, you when you went to game you program and you're reading the program again and again taking it all in and just playing football all the time watching videos and and all that um and then i suppose got interested in, in all sorts of sports like you know like a uh, big, big interest in american sports especially baseball and ice hockey and stuff like that um and uh, obviously i think everyone has a time where they're love of football wanes a little um and then it sort of came back into vengeance when i was like 18 19 and then i just i suppose the the, the other factor is that i love the aesthetics of football and i'm interested in that like you know the the um floodlights at grounds how are why, how are how can different clubs have different looking grounds and different looking strips and what's the history behind that and uh you know why why is that tunnel come on slightly off to the center and really small and, and you know like from the personalities to the strips to to what football means to me, it's always kind of just been you know, of interest, and and that's kind of where it's flown from.
0: I think some of that is yeah, it's probably quite similar to me to be honest. Like I remember when I was younger, and I used to like draw my own football kits. Yep, been there uh, done that. Yeah, totally, and I'm sure so many people did that when they were younger too. But I think the interest and kind of off the pitch stuff. Probably stems from there because you're kind of thinking like, who's my fake sponsor going to be on this football <laughs> kit? Just in a in a weird sense, and then somehow it gets to that point where you're like studying sports marketing at uni and trying to trying to get interested in it. So it's it's strange the way that um, these things work out. And I guess on on the on the back of that, you you've come in and you have this kind of love of football, and you then get involved with the terrace and and the podcast. I, I don't want to go into the history of the test. I think obviously it's a great podcast, and, and everybody listening to this is probably well aware of it now. To be honest with you, but in terms of this season for twenty 2020, twenty 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 one, how's the season been for the test podcast and the team covering Scottish football in this such unique season?
1: Uh, strange. I think it's um, it's not been. I have to. I have to think. We've, we've all said that it's not been as much fun, for sure. Um, I think, obviously, a few of us uh, are able to get to games. I've been to one live game this season, the the Scotland Women's game, um, and we'll not talk about how that ended. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, obviously, some of them are there professionally with with their work and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think, all all told, I think we've all found sort of the, the novelty of watching a game on a stream has well and truly worn off. It's not really excited. And I've probably watched more games of football in the last year on television or on a laptop um but I've also at the same time probably paid the least amount of attention to them if that makes sense it's yeah. just it's uh kind of washed over me like a wave um so I mean I think we still put out um really good content <laughs> you know, two two shows a week and we and we've made it work but I don't I don't think um and actually one of the parts that's been so good about it has been being able to catch up with friends and talk football because obviously like I'm, I'm sitting out here in Dunbar at Dunbar I don't get to see uh see the guys that often and stuff like that so I mean that's been nice it's been it's been good on just that level and I think that um for a lot of people um podcasts and and, and things like that have been a, a companion during during the lockdown a little bit and yeah. it's it's nice to to hear a familiar voice and and uh, even if they are talking about appalling defending <laughs> for the seventh time uh, 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 in a row but I, I think yeah I think that's it's just been a very surreal strange season.
0: I, I would totally agree with that as well to be honest I'm kind of at the point where as we're recording this I'm, I'm looking forward to ending uh, now and, and hopefully again as we're recording this things look like they're they're starting to open up again so everybody's fingers are crossed uh, for fans getting back in in some capacity very, very soon. And we'll probably get to that um, a little bit later on. But sticking with the Terrace, but moving to a view from the Terrace now, it, it seems to have gone from strength to strength as well. And uh, even covering it in the pandemic, that the, the interest in the programme and the coverage from the programme didn't seem to, to weigh in either. Like, has it sunk in yet at all that, that you're on the TV and you're part of that?
1: uh no, absolutely not <laughs> um it's still still hugely surreal um for me like obviously i think where where I got my role on on the show was just um this little niche was that I'm naturally curious about um everything to do with football and and how things work, and uh i think with with the stuff that we do most most things start as a question um and it came to me the other day I woke up in the middle of the night uh, thinking. <laughs> Do football clubs employ podiatrists? Because I was like, and that was the question I was like, because it seemed to me that like looking after your feet would be a pretty big thing for footballers. Yeah, but actually, totally. you know, you know, is there anyone, like, or are, are the physios really specialized on feet or, you know, you, but then it might be muscles and stuff like that. Like, do you know, is there is there a rich seam? Probably not, usually, actually, is what the, is my questions end up being. Yeah, no, that's, that, that won't make interest in TV. Um, so, so, yeah, it probably goes from me thinking too much about football to the other Duncan not thinking about it at all and but usually there's something within that that kind of draws his attention and and we try and explore from there
0: and obviously you you are going into clubs you are trying to answer these questions I'm presuming, and obviously the relationship with that with the, the program has with a lot of clubs seems to have continued, um, when when they get coverage on on the TV or when you've when you've gone and, and visited them. But how accommodating have the clubs been when you have visited to put a shift in?
1: Uh, they've they've been fantastic. I mean, all of them have been super welcoming. Um, you know, for me, it's um, I love it. Just one getting to, like basically a lot of the time we just get to. Uh, to wander on a football ground with no one looking after us it's, it's a dream to me um and obviously that like, the lower you go the more freedom we kind of have like you know there's just less people involved and people around um i, I suppose the, the only the only restriction we've had uh and across the whole of the, the, the whole of shooting was a couple of not last season season before when dunfermline were hosting your team morton mm-hmm. at east end park um and I that was the day I was meant to be a kit man. Well, I was a kit man, but part of that was um, they were wanting me to do the subs board and stuff like that. Which, to be honest, to me was a a, a lifelong dream. Like that was that that was going to be it. But because um, because there was actually something to play for, the referee wasn't that comfortable with it, which I can completely understand because i'm a, an absolute idiot and um, there was no uh, yeah you know and prone to mistakes so uh it was probably a good thing in the end um but yeah there was there was a bit of, <laughs> we shouldn't make it into the vt but there was a bit of just um me sulking after being told uh that i wasn't allowed to do that but uh, then i then realized that i was a um 30 at that time you know a 33 year old male and should probably just uh, grow up
0: I think for me, and obviously you said that they're also accommodating, but but sometimes the clubs in Scotland don't get a decent reputation for being open and welcoming. And, and obviously some clubs are different to others, but to to hear that it's been completely the opposite, I think probably should be something that, that gets shouted, out, uh, shouted about a little bit more.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, obviously... <laughs> Don't want to sound egotistical, but by the time I'm I'm there, I'm kind of pushing on an open door. Like like a lot of the work is done by uh, Michael and Chris and uh, and the guys back in the office, yeah. Um, who are chapping basically chapping on doors at, at clubs and uh and seeing if they're interested and and, and things like that. And I think most most clubs they have approached have have been totally keen for it. It just it depends on circumstances and stuff like that. And you know, we've had things like um. Mad scrambles on Saturday mornings where games are called off and we're we're fooling we're, we're other clubs and seeing if we can get in and stuff like that, which has been and and that was made to work. So I mean, I think that that kind of shows that there is a a willingness from the from the clubs to to get involved. Um. So uh, yeah, I've got nothing but compliments. And again, but the, again, is the issue is a lot of we're still relatively new, and so a lot of clubs are just wary of of new things, which is it, it, it understandable because I suppose up until. This show, maybe this is wrong, so I'm quite happy to be slapped across the internet (laughs) if this is the case. But, you know, up until this show, I think a lot of interest in lower league Scottish football was a bit, like if it was on the TV, it was because of controversy or it was because of something had gone wrong. Um, Whereas we are just kind of wanting to tell some stories about what goes on in, in, in football that happened to be in the lower leagues. Um, and do you, do th- it, do you think
0: that? But... Do you think that some of them think that you're going to be negative? Obviously, the, the show's gone from strength to strength now. It's it's really really popular, and, and clubs have probably seen that now, and, and maybe that has shifted some some perceptions of it. But do you think that was maybe gonna? Do you think that was anybody's opinion from the start when you were just starting out, maybe in that first series, where they maybe thought you're you're going to get in touch and you're going to rip into it a little bit.
1: I think so yeah I think that's I think that's always a, a risk um I th- and it's not really surprising because I think so well I was trying to trying to think about this the other day and and, and like most Scottish clubs like they don't actually have to work this is this, not meant to sound patronizing but you know, there there's interest in them and so they put people up for interviews and stuff like that. Like I'm coming, with, I've come from a, a kind of PR background where you have to work really hard to get a journalist interested in what mm-hmm. your story is, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of the time they see any journalist uh, sometimes getting in touch is when it's not the regular football Saturday, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday sort of st- stuff. They 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 can be a, a tad reticent because. They feel like that could be it could go in some direction that they they're not familiar with.
0: No, that makes sense. I think we've just drawn on some personal experience as well. We've we've tried to get in touch with championship clubs this season to to record some interviews with players for the Pure Championship podcast. And I, I mean, I totally admire what you guys have been able to do because it, you've been able to actually get in touch with some clubs. Like I think clubs make it as difficult as possible sometimes to actually get in touch with them and. Uh, try and shout them, sh- like talk them up a little bit, and and talk to some of the players and tell those stories.
1: Yeah, I think I, I'm. I'm always struck by. I think it's is it is I don't think it's a Danish, Danish uh, League but I think it's the Swedish top flight. Their media pack that goes out to all the journalists includes the mobile phone numbers of the players. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that <laughs> that that's 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 not happening in Scotland <laughs> anytime soon, um, and because yeah i think that there is there is that issue i think that ever understandably and especially in this age um where things said on a podcast or a long-form interview you know if someone gives you considered thoughts over uh 90 minutes or what have you or you know, even 40 or even 20 minutes um you can you can nitpick bits out of that and make it seem you know much more sensationalist like if if i don't know like yeah if someone was on simon ferry's podcast you for example and dwelt on something for 30 seconds instead of throwaway line but actually spent 10 minutes talking about youth development yeah the throwaway line is going to be the one and and you know that we deal a lot in headlines i suppose so i think there is that kind of reticence um and then i don't know it, it, it feels for me like it's not a good place to be i think that there's so much opportunity in making your players available and interesting um, because most of them have most of them have something of note and interest to say that people would find interesting
0: totally and i think another way that the the show's done that as well is through the vast majority of the vts that appear and they rightly get lauded as well is that why you think they go down so well because it is telling those stories
1: yeah i think so i mean are they are Brilliant! No, I'm not not the bits I'm in, but all the other <laughs> VD, I'm always excited to see what they've done because we are working with with such hugely creative guys and uh, and and our people, I should say, not just guys. um And I think that the thing with the, the VTs is they're all coming from the right place. There's no um there's no cynicism or kind of nastiness involved in it. I mean, I'm not saying that that the VTs on football focus are like <laughs> or or yeah, or, yeah. or you know, gazetta football Italia. There's uh, but I think that um, and also, I think that sometimes there can be something universal in the specific. And I think that's what we are trying to explain. Is that, that you know, that, yeah, I was thinking about the VT about the, the um, Montrose groundsman. That people don't, might not have been to Montrose and they might not and they might not be lower league football fans. But I think they can identify with every work's got, they've got that guy who's worked there for ages. Yeah. But is uh, uh, that is basically the life and soul of the place. And so I think that you know, you don't necessarily have to be a Montrose fan to recognise that. And that, yeah, again, again, it just always comes from that place of curiosity. Like, you know, what's it like to be a fit, uh, kit man? What would Scottish football look like if it was directed by Wes Anderson? Um, and we've been fortunate that <laughs> we keep getting away with it and things keep coming, coming in our favour.
0: Just slightly moving on, but probably still touching on Terrace experiences a little bit. The stories that are told through the VTS are normally ones that resonate so well with people. Have you seen clubs trying to do a little bit more of that themselves, and would you like them to do much more of that themselves going forward?
1: Yeah, I think I I I think uh, I would. I'm not. I, no, I don't think we want to take credit for it. But I think that there is there is a sense of blooming coming around at the same time and i'm not saying that's definitely related but i think that um there's almost the show i could be talking out of turn here so again apologies if 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 people think i'm talking rot. but um you know there's almost a thing of uh i think the show's given permission if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like you to 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 do things to to say actually you know what there is something absolutely brilliant about islands football like airscape like it's like i would <laughs> i would love to see maybe uh, maybe you can sort this like but I, I am pretty sure that the google uh searches on airscape will if <laughs> uh, there'll be an immediate spike after or you know there's been sustained spikes since that vt went out um and things like that and i think that it just by showing People, you know, and that's that. And no, the Wes Anderson one turned up in the the kind of USA Today football blog and stuff like that. And you know, like I think there's a a bit of in uh, seeing is believing and knowing that actually there isn't uh, there is an audience out there for stuff if you do it with enough heart and do it with enough passion. I think you can. I think people do see it. And and I, yeah, I I'm I, I, again I could be talking rot, but I think yeah, there there is a there is something that's happening it feels like th- that it's inspiring people and and not uh, not just in football but hopefully it is
0: i don't think it's i don't think you're speaking out of turn whatsoever i think if you're if you're looking at like like i have been from the outside looking in you can you can see that and yes it's probably not all down to the the VTS that appear on the program, and obviously they they then get shared widely. But there's there's so many things that are happening that, and and that is just one of the things probably that uh, that goes into a lot of the the good stuff now that you do see appearing up and down Scottish football. Like I'm talking from from Clyde Bank in the west of Scotland all the way up to to the Scottish Premiership as well. Like those those things it, it, things are improving. I think, and it's maybe not Absolutely, as fast. Yeah. Maybe not as fast as some other countries, but I think we'll, we'll get there um, uh, eventually. I think it probably moving on ever so slightly, but probably again, probably quite related. We are in quite a similar position because we we look at Scottish football from the outside looking in maybe a a leading question a little bit but do you, do you ever think that you could work for a club or the SPFL for example or the Scottish FA uh,
1: um yeah I'm, I'm not sure they'd want me uh, <laughs> that would be the first issue um and I, I'm not so I think I'm, and I'll say this so I'm now 35 and uh, and stuff like that so I'm not and I'm not saying this to make myself important but like you have a, a mortgage and, and stuff like that but I think salary would be an issue. I'm not trying to make myself feel really important here. But no, I think, I think that, it's
0: but, it's an it's an important, it's a topic that it, probably why I wanted to discuss it with you, because it's good to get this kind of thinking and discussion points out there, because it's it's kind of, it doesn't really get talked about that much. Yeah, it's it's I, almost I, like an unwritten thing that nobody really touches on.
1: Yeah, and I, and I, that was what kind of what I hesitated to bring up, but I thought, you know what, I'll just I'll just be honest about this. And I think the sports industry as a whole, but football is probably is the biggest um, employer within that in Scotland and across the UK and probably across the world actually. They take advantage of the massive supply side that exists, uh, and and that does that is a, a huge similarity to when I when I worked in Parliament at the, at, in, in the Scottish Parliament and stuff like that. Is you know that you have. Um, so many people willing to do the job that basically they drive the employers know they can get away with, with paying less, um, and I think that you know, you just have to look at the, the conditions like you know, that you're asking people to work you know, above and beyond kind of strange hours probably six days a week for less money than they would be getting in a sim in, not in a similar industry but doing the same job in another industry. Yeah, and I know that's a choice. Like and again and and I'm not saying that. You, it, you know it's, it becomes chicken and egg and stuff like that but i think the novelty of the privilege will soon wears off like a, like it'll be the, like a job becomes a job like that, whether it's you know you know every everyone's dream job eventually doesn't become a dream job because ultimately it just is a job you know that that, that becomes mundane and um and sort of that but yeah of co- of course i would want to to work in football I mean like who wouldn't like I think uh, and but and I suppose it's picking up on an issue that I think Daryl Broadfoot's mentioned a couple of times in different things and he's talking like you know that I think in in football and sport probably that the creative types or or what have you find themselves kind of hitting a glass ceiling
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and you know that like look how brilliant the the median and comms is at some clubs you know like but that's not that feels like the people don't make the transition from there into the boardroom, I would suppose, you know, that, that, that they are setting the strategic aims and directions of the club. I think that, that very rarely happens. I mean, Alan Burrows is the exception to that rule and yeah. you can see how it's paid dividends at Motherwell, but then Motherwell are, are, are a unique club in that circumstance. And so yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting one because when I look at the list of board uh, of, of directors at uh, football clubs, they don't really, to me, scream. They scream managerial, and that's fine. That that's that's totally fine. Um, but I think that, or even you, know, including the non-exec directors, if you want, and stuff like that. But that is like football's meant to be fun. Sports meant to be fun, and I yeah. don't necessarily get that coming
0: you know, out of the essence of a lot of clubs. If that makes sense. No, that, to- that totally makes sense. I think I'm just trying to think about. And I've been trying trying for what is what what is basically five five six years now to to think about and break through in this space and try and improve things and I'm just wondering what will maybe need to happen for more individuals with that creative mind and the creative ability to to move up into those areas because like I totally agree with you that you can look at some clubs and you're like. What, what, what's your reason for existing like why are you not trying to do things a little bit differently why are you not being fun um and yeah it's, it's a it's a it's a difficult question
1: yeah i don't i don't think it can uh, certainly it won't be solved by me um but <laughs> not, <laughs> I'll, I'll, not I'll, me probably uh, yeah on this podcast but like <laughs> I, I think that the, it's um it is it is difficult but yeah again like you know, there is an element of it like i just look at i do I, I did look through some of the club websites before uh before coming on just to, to make this point and i was like these like i'm sure they're all doing great jobs and stuff but like would it kill you to expand this to have someone in in your your 20s or 30s on your board um you know and to make that to make that quite a common thing because ultimately that is where a lot of your customers if you want to call them that but that is where your supporters are at um and and how that might influence your decision making but um yeah i think it's a really difficult one and again it's it's it's, it all comes it's a very convoluted decision making process i suppose in scottish football isn't there is the idea that um you know it's all you know it's all very well we talking about oh it'd be nice to be really creative and stuff like that but ultimately a lot of decisions are made when chairmen get together or chief executives uh, around the board table, and frankly, what they're looking at is the bottom line, mm-hmm. and, and nothing else.
0: Yeah, it's it is a tricky one. I think it probably leads on to my next question in terms of what what should the biggest priority be for Scottish football as a whole at the moment.
1: Uh right. Uh, well I think my mind uh I, I felt just, I didn't, an one, I, just an easy yeah, one. Yeah, I felt
0: I didn't give that question enough fanfare there, to be honest. Like the <laughs> biggest the biggest question probably in the whole podcast. But yeah, answer it right now.
1: Yeah, so I, th- th- my mind flits about on this a lot of times, but I think it, it, what it probably boils down to is what are we what are we here for and where do we want to go? And I think if you start asking those questions then you can start giving definition. I think what 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 we don't really have in in Scottish football really is a frame. So everything, like you, know, the, the, just basically, if there's 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 no constraint, everything's just out there, mm. and that's fine because that's why we love it. But also, like, there should be some like. So what so what is what is the SPFL's purpose? What is the the, the Scottish FA's purpose? What is the purpose of each club? Um, and I, uh, yeah, so I don't know. From that, I just think if you can put a frame on stuff, then you can you can start to be positive about that. You can say, this is the direction we're going. And some clubs might choose not to be part of that journey, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But that's fine. Because, but but the, there's been a, a conscious and active choice to do that or not do that. And so you want... Everyone needs to feel like they're going somewhere. Like, we don't want to... I, like, I think... I think that's part of the reason why the sh- the the TV shows had some success is that we've we've kind of rejected that notion that the Scottish football is this like laughing stock and a bit of, and it's just a managed decline. Like I think because we've been told that for years that I must, that so it must simply must be the case and we've, we've kind of been like well yeah it might if that if that's your approach then why why are we even bothering with this.
0: It come. It comes back to it comes back to your point about the chairman all sitting around the table looking at the bottom line though, as well, doesn't it? Because that, uh, yes, the the bottom line might not be a similar bottom line to what other leagues across European and world football get. But like you said, there's there is stories to be had. There is uh, there's so much good about it that it is just about getting that out there and. Changing perceptions and not even changing perceptions, but like shouting about current perceptions almost as well
1: yeah definitely i mean I, my 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 point starting point is that the the football is magic right and and I think that the point that we should all try anyone that's involved in the game a, it, that I always try and think about is that you should th- just remember that every single game of football is someone's first game. And we should want to make that as special as possible every time. And if you if if that's the attitude you take, then you can start to build on this. If you know what I mean, that you knowing that that sometimes this is going to be something. Some, this is going to be the first time that someone takes those walks up the steps at Central Park, or you know, go walks into Capello and sees sees the crane in the background, and and you know looks looks towards an the the the, the empty Dublin end stuff like that, and if we start from there and say that we need to be positive for the future, we need to give something to work towards, we have a vision of where we want to go, and not in the sort of Project Brave sort of stuff, Like, but just say like, the, what we are trying to articulate is where we want to go. So, if it's Scottish football is actually, we this is Scottish football, and this is the best place to watch football. Mm-hmm. Like, if if that's your that that could be your proof concept or whatever say this is right so we want to be the best place to watch scoffing or what do we mean by that right so we mean it's like affordable i suppose um you know we can do all these sorts of things but you know that you've got to you've got to at least stand for something before you can start you know hooking your hat on it and so like once we articulate what we want to be we can then make it an attractive proposition if we don't state where we're going and what we stand for we allow others to do it for us. And I think that's been very much the case for the last 20, 30 years. So like, I think, we're, and we're not the only ones, we're like, there's, there's, this happened all over the place. You know? But you see that with, it always becomes a hot topic, doesn't it? Shirt sponsorship. But basically, the history of shirt sponsorship in Scottish, British football is a guide to unregulated sectors with spare cash. So it was beer. It was beer companies for a while. Then it was financial services, and it was like tech and internet. Now it's gambling, um, and now you know, next to I'm sure it'll be Bitcoin or or <laughs> you know basically a, a sector that is unregulated that has a lot of that is looking to to compete massively. That's fine if that's a conscious decision. Then that's that's totally fine. I I much prefer the 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 SWPL's approach of saying, yeah yeah, we're not, we, like, actually, we, we stand for something. We're not going to take gambling. We're not going to take alcohol uh, sponsorship. That might cost us in the short term. But actually, in the long term, I think that's a much better proposition of they've, they've, they've demonstrated a value. And then I suppose, yeah, so you work at your frame and then you you, you cultivate it intensively. But then also I'm aware that I am just a big <laughs> a big idiot shooting his mouth off. But that kind of feels to me where we need to, like, you know, the biggest priority should be deciding
0: what the priority is. No, I mean it's it's the perfect place to start, isn't it? I mean, we recently had the all the European Super League stuff, and um, this is football started uh, doing the rounds on Twitter. What what did you make of that? Did you think that was potentially could have been a starting point?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think that, and the best thing about that is it felt organic. Yeah. Um. whether whether it was or not, I can't. I'm not entirely sure. But, um. You know, obviously it's a harken back to a classic p s two game Loved of, it. Of gold, in the golden age but no um i th- I think there's definitely something in that and and I think people were making the right points but again yeah it's that, that sort of thing is that um the people in charge pe- how to put this delicately I suppose so the people in charge have seen that and been like, oh that's brilliant we need we need a campaign around that or we could, well, why don't why don't we just make everything this is football and my my thoughts would be, well, you need to roll back a little bit. Like, what do we mean by, uh, and again, you know, quite boring, but what do you mean is this is football? Like, what do, what do we, I think it's a, I think it's a, to be honest, I think it's a terrific tagline, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is exactly, but like, you've got to work out what, what's your, what's your value proposition to go with this is football. Like, is it, you know, that this is where you will see the international stars of the future. I think you can make that, I think you can make that argument that you could see that across actually all levels of the game um you know but you know is is this is football the, the just the closeness and I think that's you know I think there's a lot to be said for that there's an intimacy in Scottish football that you do not get elsewhere um and uh, you know but again there's there's so many things we can do that wouldn't necessarily make us unique but I think that that uh, that I just always I just know because because of how many people care about it and are passionate about it that there is there is so much um, innovation possible in Scottish football.
0: Mm-hmm. I think you you mentioned it there in terms of closeness, and so many people that I've spoken to since starting sports marketing Scotland have said that we need to get closer to fans. We need to speak to them much more than we currently do, etc., etc. Do you think that fans are sorry? Do you think that clubs are closer to the fans than they have been before, or do you think there is still a, a big disconnect there?
1: Um, I think that's a tough one. I think I I think clubs have tapped into fan sentiment and rhetoric, but I feel that it's almost transactional. At the moment, I think they, I think they've worked out they can do this, and it will feel authentic. But the authenticity is the, the jump-off point to then sell them something. Yeah. Um. But I think. I, w- I would say with that is that some of this is on fans ourselves, like we have to take some responsibility of it. I think we are we are all too happy to be divided and conquered, you know. And um, on the face of it, you know, I keep coming back to this: is that almost every decision made in Scottish football includes two of the most important stakeholders, and that's the fans and the players. I mean, they don't have a seat at the table. And then I can I compare that, obviously, I've spoken before about to American sports and stuff, and was, the idea that. The season in the lower league could have been extended by four extra games without the explicit <laughs> approval of the players, and what that would mean for them is absolute madness. Okay. Like, I, like, like that's like we we talk about workers' rights. Uh, okay. You know, in America being terrible, they they wouldn't have allowed that to happen. And so I think you have again goes back to you think a situation where cuts and clubs are are making decisions with fans in mind, but I think that is usually probably coincidental that works for their bottom line as well yeah. like it's very easy to be you take a principled we're with our fans stance when it also benefits you business-wise like and, and I think you know last summer we saw that a lot of the time you know that you know and again reforms of the SFA and SPFL they come and go and they come and go because when it's in your interest to to want reform, you call for reform, and when it's not in your and when you're benefiting from the the status quo, you tend to to sit on your hands, and that's that's fine. But people have to accept that is it that fans have to accept that is the way that you you can't just be silent when it, when it suits you, and then expect you know a massive uproar when when it doesn't, and expect people to be similarly uh, pissed off about it.
0: It's, it's almost like a vicious circle, really, isn't it? Because I think the fans want something to happen, so they try and speak to their club and the clubs will maybe attempt to, to push something through and it'll, they'll maybe talk to the league, but then they realise that they are the league because the clubs are the ones in power. Like, Do, do you think anything will ever possibly change in that respect where it, it becomes a little bit easier for a reform to happen, for example?
1: uh <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> to, to, to be quite honest like um i would like to, i would like to, to think there's a situation but again i i work for a membership organization and we only have 19 members um i like you know, to the spfl to have a membership organization of 42 that are you know my 19 <laughs> members they're all <laughs> universities like the, the at least there's some similarities with, between them and you know, they're roughly you know There's the they are different sizes and do different things, but they are you know that that's quite similar. 42 clubs if you're in the SBFL, and a hundred or so more if you're the SFA are you know comparing Celtic and Rangers to you know Edinburgh United or um you know uh Dunbar United, actually, you know, is a good example close to me. Um, but again, at the same time, we, we, we can't forget that like Scottish football doesn't exist in a vacuum. It doesn't. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. So the Celtic and Rangers uh, and the other top flight clubs and professional clubs um, see what's going on in other leagues as well. You know, like the, you know that the, the, that's probably sometimes where they um, may, well Celtic and Rangers will definitely benchmark themselves against other places. I think the the other top flight clubs in Scotland are, you know, largely against each other but in, unless they don't why would they at a, <laughs> at a moment in time where like the super league's happening and what's happening in uefa where it is all about resources um being concentrated at the top and um you know the, and that sort of thing why well, <laughs> why would they in well i suppose in good conscience would be the reason why but you know that the, it's not logical for them to give up power it's yeah. not like you know why why would you give up your guaranteed concentration of power when throughout the world it's not happening like all you're doing is making yourself weaker at a time when others are growing stronger and I, like, and I, and I talked a little bit before about um, you know this managed decline and stuff like that and it, it does feel that there is a, there's a, the future it feels like we're, we're, we're scared of it I think a lot of people are not willing to to deal with stuff and so you, you see that all the time with you know, SPFL reform is a prime example of that is that it only becomes necessary when it's necessary. Like, so there's no, there was no question of, well, should we look at how we reform ourselves uh, in the in case anything bad like a pandemic happens? Well, no, oh, a pandemic will never happen. And then you find yourself in the middle of the pandemic, and and lo and behold, you've got a problem. Um, you know, so yeah, I think that there's all there's that sort of kicking to long grass and just kind of a denial that the future is happening. And I think that 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 you see this in. I would also say legacy media, traditional media. Um, you know that there's there's kind of a denial in Scottish football that the Berlin Wall came down. That there's this idea that Scotland in the seventies and eighties, f- football wise, was the pinnacle and we will never get back to that. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that you know that you know we easily could. Uh, you know if Greece can win European Championships, if Portugal can win European Championships, if Iceland can get to World Cups, there's no reason why Scotland can't. But we have kind of just chosen to accept our fate. Um, and you know, just said, "Oh, it's just that you know, it's just a freak accent that that uh, that Iceland have got good, or it's just you know that Croatia have improved exponentially." Or, well, that just that that's just freakish, as opposed to maybe there's maybe there's something in that.
0: There's so many factors that they that they have uh, worked on as countries, and a lot of it has been collectively as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think we have to realize that there is. Power in in the collective. I mean, I, I think I've said this enough <laughs> enough times, probably to to people in in pubs uh, across the country. But like you, know, Scotland Scotland loves football. But where is the evidence of Scotland being a footballing nation? Like it's not actually that apparent. Like we're not football clubs are not on the high streets of towns. Um, you know, why 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 shouldn't you drive into Airdrie and below it says Welcome to Airdrie. It says Home of the Diamonds. Um, you know, in the same, if you go into Air or Kamarnock or you know that you know, all these sorts of things, I just I see there's just so many um, opportunities. Like you know, I was thinking, like speaking of Airdrie, like you know, did you know that the first ever penalty kick in world football happened in Airdrie, in one of in one of Airdrie's old grounds? Like we don't, we could we could really make a huge effort to market Scotland as the proper home of football. Like we've yeah. got the first international that ever took place, you know and I, I keep thinking of that like the, the redevelopment of hamden or like offers like a huge opportunity if done correctly like the that the size of the hamden estate you could do so much with that i mean yeah. i i would like almost like a i think well, what do you call them like monument gardens or whatever i would i would have that whole the whole place just cut littered in statues and you know so, so I'll, I'll meet you by rose riley or I'll, I'll see you after the game we'll catch you at jockstein or or what have you like i think there's just so many opportunities to demonstrate that we are an incredible football nation it,
0: become, it becomes we, a de it becomes a destination
1: doesn't yeah, it yeah like absolutely
0: it, it, but, but how would you need... know
1: how would you know that if you come into to any of our airports really yeah you know, the, the, and then i know there's issues around that but like i i, I just think that if you go if you go to any major city, you know that you'll see evidence of a football club there. Like even if it is, you know, knock off merchandise or, <laughs> or, or or what have you. You, know, you know, but the ability to buy tickets from kiosks in town, or you know, uh, you know, a pencil case, or you know, just the small things. But there's just there isn't any of that, which seems odd when we talk ourselves being such a, a big sporting nation.
0: Yeah, completely. I think it was. Uh... It, that kind of became a bit more of a talking point when um, the Andy Robertson mural went up outside Hamden as well, and it was it kind of around that point I I, I was regularly going to Hamden because we were recording the the previous podcast um kind of live there and I, I felt compelled to tell uh, to take a picture every single time. I went just because it was something a little bit special and something that you you maybe hadn't experienced uh, that much before. But taking that next level, like you say, and kind of littering Hamden with monuments and uh, kind of places uh, places of interest for fans to go there, as opposed to maybe, well, rarely visiting it because not that many clubs actually get to visit Hamden uh, in a competitive sense but it becomes that kind of place that you need to go to almost doesn't it
1: yeah that, i think that, that that i think that we we talk about scotland becoming a a footballing destination and and, and there's ways around that like like that you could you could yeah just the, we be able, places to to market and stuff like that. Like, you know that if I if I were trune you know, I would I would be making a huge song and dance. about the fact that their ground is the only place in Scotland where Pelly's played, you know, like and or uh, you know, and things like that. Like just, just like you know, okay, it was a training session, and yeah, it was for the yeah, you know, like it was for a World Cup, which a country we don't like to talk about won and stuff like that. But like you, know, the, there's the within nukes and crannies of all of Scotland, there are. Amazing, like footballing uh, things that we can use to sell.
0: Yeah, completely. And I think probably moving on slightly from that, but but touching on it as well, the match going experience is a big part of that too. To to make our clubs the destination that fans are going to be going to. Obviously, that experience will be very different when fans get back in again. How how do you think that will have changed when when that time does come?
1: Um Or do you will think it's it not changing? It well you change? Know, I mean I think that's I think that's the big thing. I that I think maybe this is harsh, but I think a lot of clubs will have rested on the laurels of seeing fans on online saying they can't wait to get back and and use that as an excuse not to 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 do anything. I mean I know that some clubs I know hibs are making changes so that, that you'll be able to pay by card and stuff like, which you know the fact that that scene is a big thing in 2021 I think kind of sums up where we are like it you know it, it kind of blows my mind like I remember being at a, uh Elgin where we were away at Dumbarton a couple of years ago because uh, Elgin and my dad's team um hadn't uh it was in the queue for the pie stand and the guy came over and asked if he could pay by card and the guy behind the the guy behind the kiosk looked like he'd just been asked to like solve a quantum, aquatic, <laughs> you know, quantum physics
0: equation. Like you, know, the, but that's, a, that's I, the thing—you feel bad almost when when you do ask these things at Scottish football stadiums. I just, yeah, it is crazy.
1: Yeah, and I just I think that, I mean, one of the things that I would I would love to do if anyone had them. I mean. If anyone wants to pony up and pay me to do this, but would be to lead a delegation of chief executives for, and and chair people uh, from Scottish football and take them to America for for a weekend, never mind a week, but just see the uh, of what what is done um, to to make it work. Like just to like I, I, I speak about it a lot and stuff like. But you know that for an asset that is used for. The guts, of, you know, most clubs are probably open their gates at two o'clock, and try and have most people out by half, well, at least by five. But you know, they'll probably shut down by half past five mm-hmm. on a uh, on a game day. You know, it sits empty a lot of the time, and and I think there should be, there's so much you can do on match day and around match day to make your club a destination. Um, but I don't know, I don't know how what the what the willingness. Is to do that, um. So yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I, so sadly, I'm probably a wee bit cynical for the first time, <laughs> and just being a bit like, you know, do I think much will change? No, I don't. I don't think they will because I, I don't think, um, I think there has been so, and I, I, and I'll be fair to a lot of clubs. Is the concert, the 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 big thing to be done is keeping the show on the road, and I, I can completely understand that, but yeah. at the same time, is that we i think one of the scottish football's big problems is that the the reliance on the diehard uh and i I would be a bit concerned that you you've become so determined to rely on your season ticket holders because this is but this feels like a new phenomenon because i was reading a book about Hibbs in the 90s and like 1993 or 1994 hibs had three and a half thousand season ticket holders um you that doesn't sound, that that's not impressive, but they were still getting you. They were still getting you ten thousand, twelve thousand into games. Mm-hmm. So the, like the balance is is now switched over so much to to uh, trying to get um, season ticket holder money, which is I, I cannot, I totally understand, but I, that I think that that becomes risky as well for for lots of reasons. Is the sense that you you find out very quickly uh, how. Uh, elastic some of those fans are. So you know, there are some season tick holders at most clubs that if you turned around to them and said, actually uh, you know how you paid £250 for a season tick last season, well now it's going to be 600 pounds They would pay it. And I think that's fine. That's that you know, that if that's if that's your business model, then grand, but it, it becomes diminishing returns and uh, uh, and there seems to be little appetite to grow fan bases, which I find concerning. Um, and you and you always hear it because it's oh you, we can't offer free tickets or you can't you know, do deals because you know um, season ticket holders will, will will get pissed off. It's like well you're you're looking at this proposition entirely the wrong way then like that 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 that's for me is absolute madness. That you've got to have a way of enticing new people in because the more season ticket holders and the, the same with and that's what I have to congratulate Aberdeen on their uh, season ticket campaign this year of, of pointing out the fact that the more of you that sign up, you will get money back. Yeah. No, but also, I bet your bottom dollar. If you asked, if if then they have a thing where Cormac phones them all up and said, yep, yeah, that's great that you, you were we're just about to put your check in the post there for uh, your your 150 pound rebate or whatever." But actually, you know, uh, you know, if if enough of you you know, kept it, that would allow us to buy you know a, a new striker or whatever you know, people people give it up they think they've already resigned themselves to not getting that 150 pounds or 110 pounds or 70 pounds back or whatever it's just
0: it's yeah and, it's almost that token offer isn't it that is good enough for them yeah. to to get involved
1: and 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 again like it's just um there's so so many possibilities I'll, like you know, it, it's, if i was if i was an easy enough to say, because i'm not uh, but if i was at a football <laughs> club i would be you can the electoral register changes all the time you gets updated every um three or six months or whatever i would have as soon as that comes out and the new ones anyone that's moved into my identified areas of where my support is i'd be writing to them offering them to a, a coupon for uh to buy online a ticket for a game and just see and just see what happens that, you know, the you the the investment it seems to me to be very minimal, and you get to track that person whether they come. And again, with the tech that is available now, you should be able to be able to track things a lot easier. I don't think our club's in a position to do that, so I I don't actually know how well a they know the fact their existing fans, and b more worryingly how to get new fans.
0: I think that's probably a very relevant point for even just this season to be honest isn't it the amount of uh personal fr- details <laughs> yeah, that, that I've handed, handed over to clubs I'm I'm wondering what if anything is going to happen to that uh, to those details after this season
1: yeah and to be fair the only one the only away club that has been back in touch with me has been Rangers trying to sell me streams to other stuff and I thought well fair enough like yeah yeah, it's worth a try you don't know I'm a Hibs fan Um, but again there would have been so many ways around that that uh, to get proper data but yeah it feels like it again so many things it feels like it was a bit of a waste opportunity but again the self-interest of clubs got in the way of doing something that could have actually been quite progressive for the league I mean I think you just have to look at you know the uh, the Super League in England or uh, in Rugby League, you know, just in terms of actually having a central place to buy tickets might not be a terrible idea, yeah. <laughs> but um, but again, it's, yeah, and again from that sort of even even if Celtic and Rangers aren't interested, surely there is a model for procurement for the thirty two other eh, for, for the forty other clubs if they were interested and such like to to negotiate deals on things like ticketing. Like yeah. it seems to me a bit of a a no brain or just the the ability to okay so so 30 clubs might not uh want to to join in but at least you've got 10 club procurement that's going to get bring you about some savings you would imagine but it doesn't feel like there's any um spare capacity in any of the clubs or at the relevant authorities to
0: even begin to look at that no that's probably a different podcast (laughs) itself, (laughs) isn't it um you and Gary touched on kind of match going experience for a, a terrace Patreon. Um, I don't want you to reveal everything because then people wouldn't then go and pay uh, to to subscribe on Patreon to the terrace. But um, I think what, after
1: this, they've probably had enough of me. That's true. <laughs>
0: that's true. What uh, What one thing from your suggestions on that would you want to change around um, kind of stadium experiences? Um, for me,
1: I think if the thing that that kicks off. Is you've again going back to that thing that every every game could be someone's first game. So just just view it in those terms. So how do you make it that experience something that's memorable? And so that goes from um you know, if I if I, I'm thinking back to Easter Road and stuff like that. You, know, so someone comes comes to Easter Road and they get the get the bus and get dropped off at, on uh, London Road at the corner of Easter Road. There's nothing when you turn on to Easter Road to give you an idea that might be slightly busier than the normal street. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing that that tells you this is match day. You know that you know I would be looking for you know, an avenue sort of 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 stuff to suggest that there's activity happening, and that goes all the way. You know to can you close off streets to 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 make things like can you have the youth team out doing tricks or five side games for 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 young kids or what have you, whilst the dads can uh have a beer or non-alcoholic beer probably if it was scottish football at the <laughs> moment um to all the way to just the small things like the going through the turnstile is is pretty magical i think for most people it's strange to say that but like you know, then and then you face just a concrete wall uh, <laughs> to climb your seats like there's nothing there's yeah. nothing that's unique about it and you know, that we should be conditioning people to think what they're about to see is magic even if the game turns out to be a a nil snooze fest but again, it's all these things like I, yeah. I just I, I feel that um, if you go to an ice hockey game or a baseball game or whatever, you like even if you've not enjoyed the game, you've you've had an experience and you've seen a spectacle. And I'm not saying we need to Americanize everything about the experience, and 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 you know the, there's always that uh, total cynicism in, <laughs> in Scottish football as well that we we would have to deal with. Mm. But the, the idea of um, I don't think we should get to the point where like making an effort feels like a uncool thing to do,
0: completely agree, I think the that was the one when I was listening to you both chatting that probably stood out to me too, and I think it for me it always comes back to and I mentioned it earlier and I'm not saying every club should have kind of I mean the Andy Robertson mural outside Hamden is not even amazing when you can when you compare it up to some other murals that are around the world uh, related to football but yeah I think on this podcast it probably won't it's going to be the first time and it probably won't be the last I mentioned Bohemians and exactly yeah the the, fact
1: that
0: that's a part-time club yeah exactly it's a part-time club that is mem- member owned, fan owned since it's been in existence, and they just get it so right um, in terms of making the we've we've said it loads now, but it's probably going to be the key word for the podcast. But making uh, Daily Met Park the destination, um, and you you just want to visit it because you know that your experience when you go there is going to be pretty magical.
1: Yeah, and I th- and and I think I've not been to a game yet, but I've seen I've seen photos and stuff, and I think that. You can tell, like, well, you, it's a fact because having, they haven't. They've just recently got money to to upgrade the ground, but it, yeah. it's it's a fairly remaindered environment. But it's authentic and it's pure, and I think that's that's something that we almost every club in Scotland has something that is that is authentically them, and it's just about playing up on that more. Totally,
0: um, Duncan, and Duncan then. 2016, you wrote an article for Sports Marketing Scotland. Not sure how well you remember it, so I've got uh, a little bit of a summary here. Some of your suggestions said that you should drop the league names uh, across Scottish football. Uh, The opening weekend should be hyped to the max and branded to the max. And in fact, we should brand everything. For example, the split in the Scottish Premiership being called the High Road and the Low Road, which is still genius, to be honest. Uh, i'm I'm glad i still quite like that yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's cracking um and we should have like a legends weekend for example throwback kits um all of these things are still so relevant now aren't they
1: yeah i think they are and i think they're only going to get more relevant um i just yeah there's again i think there's just so much untapped potential and and there's a difficulty and and i appreciate that that um clubs are conscious not wanting to rip people off as well and i think that you know that's the thing where you know the throwback kits or whatever you know but again the like clubs are quite happy to bring out a third strip so like it seems to me like you know why there's there's lots of ways you can do that you know like just thinking about like just at the weekend there the nhl had um community weekend which is you know a way of you know, highlighting all the work they do in the community but they also had special strips for it and you, know, some of them are limited edition, and so you know they're all limited edition. Sorry, but so some are available for retail, but then a lot of them are just player worn jerseys that will be auctioned off or whatever. And again, you know, there's potential problems around auctioned off, and you're making it just a bit more exclusive and stuff like that. Um, I th- yeah, I think I think they're all relevant. I don't like not a lot has changed really uh in scottish football a lot a lot has happened and yet not a lot has happened if that makes yeah. sense um i suppose when i wrote that i was probably uh unaware of just how small the operation that the SBFL was and um, it's really it is really tight ty- tiny uh, small and again i d- that's the way the clubs want it i'd like you know I, I i'm i keep throwing back to the idea that um you know that the SPFL, no, so MLS have, uh, and this was a couple of years ago, so it's no doubt more. The the MLS has um 125 at this point, well, At that point, your content creators and people involved in digital and PR and and stuff like that across the league, and that's you and and the SPFL has 12 people, full stop. Like not 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 just doing that those jobs. Twelve yeah. people, full stop. So the, it's it's a function of the clubs not wanting the, the the club to the 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 sent the sfa or the SPFL to be particularly powerful because they want their cake and they want to eat it as well i suppose and that's the thing that you know, the that um any windfall that we get from um anything that happens <laughs> you'll really most clubs earmark that to then spend on uh, probably another mediocre midfielder uh, or or a loan signing or whatever as opposed to thinking actually should, should we hold this money back and see what if we could do something with it? And I know that started to happen a little bit now with the um, Ron Gordon's idea. He's he's got uh, uh, he's a point the the SPFL have proved of how they can generate more. And I think that I, I do think that the the possibilities are endless with Scottish football in a good way. And <laughs> like I don't want to sound like I'm being negative all the time. Um, but you know I think there's a lot of possibilities that um, that, that we can do. But again, the the if we're up front as well about it as well, like, like if Neil Doncaster says, actually we're going to try, like comes out and says we're going to we're going to try something, we'll see if it works. Or he, here's a <laughs> here's a hair brain ice cream, here I- idea. Neil Doncaster writes to the clubs and asks them to nominate a fan to come to a working group to work through these things, so we can talk about right what actually do we want to be called the do we, the do we want to be called the Premiership, the Championship, League One, and League Two. So at least you've had, and and maybe maybe the conclusion of those forty-two fans is actually, yeah, we do, we yeah. quite like, we got used to them. But at least at least at that point, there's been uh, consent, I suppose. You know that it's been it's been rubber stamped, it's been thought about, as opposed to this idea that uh, we have it because we have because because England were doing it, and that seemed like
0: a good idea. I think almost the fact that, and you said it there, like. You wrote that in 2016, and loads has happened, but not much has happened at the same time. I think that almost keeps the intrigue and the constant debate around Scottish football going, is because that everybody feels like they could probably change something given the chance, but not many people get the chance.
1: Yeah, and 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 that would be. I think that would be interesting. Is even if uh, I don't. Yeah, even if you were to look at the ways, around, like so the, again. I think the clubs like the fact that Doncaster is a really well-paid uh, shield for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, I don't know if I could do. <laughs> I don't know if I could take that much flat. <laughs> yeah. That maybe it seems water off the duck's back to him and, and, and fair play to him, God. Because <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if I could be uh, so so steely. Um, but then again, you, know, it's, it's the thing is that it, it, then go you. Know, he works with a board. You know that is not which is convoluted voted on by clubs for smaller representatives to go into clubs, but they reserve the right to change that every year. And you know like you, know, we have a chairman of the SPFL who is non-existent. Um, you know, really, uh, <laughs> no nowhere really to be seen. Um, you know, it would be it would be interesting if if you. Know, they they were kind of forced to run <laughs> for it, if you know what I mean? Like, so yes. that Alan Burrows became like, you know, there was nominations for uh, commissioners or, wh- or whatever, like short term. like and, and they have to say, these are the things I think we can do over the next few years or, or you know, or even, I don't know, even designate, like if the clubs agreed to, which they might not, but like designate that, that League Two is almost a trial league for things. So, and again, it goes back to certain things around it. Like I've, I, the whole... Coronavirus experience and, and uh clubs, uh, you will want to get clubs fans back in, um, and and this goes actually for the alcohol stuff so We we keep thinking about this entirely the wrong way. You, if you try and do it from the from the top down, you're always going to struggle. I feel, and you're always going to people are always going to like the booze things a prime example. People always just think, oh, oh, imagine what it'll be like Celtic versus Rangers. Well, no one's suggesting there's going to be alcohol available at Celtic versus Rangers matches. We should be selling it as. Can you can at each game, Elgin City sell you a three point five percent beer to so you can watch Elgin versus Stranraer on a sunny day with a pint, plastic pint, not even a good, not even a good quality gla- glass yeah. uh, pint, you know, like a, a uh, overpriced four pound pint of tenants or whatever, you know, like or you know, um, and if there's problems during that league that you know, that uh, you. Know, if Peterhead happened to be in league and there's a slight bit of needle, but not that much between Elgin City and Peterhead, you know what? That's the game we don't apply for a license for. We do it game by game basis. But if you prove you can do it at league two level for each and and taking on each other, and the police are involved and you take people along with you, no one's no one is suggesting at all that Edinburgh derbies are going to have pints at, at them. But the idea that you don't even have the option of it at the moment seems just to me absolute madness and it's the same with the reopening of the crowds the, the The way to do it wasn't to be starting at the premiership level and try and get fans in that way they should be doing it at the very lowest level they can where there are grounds and the SF, spfl and sfa it was in their interest to probably provide some funding to try and get clubs like dunbar united or you know on rig Rose or what have you to be trying this stuff out, so that you've got that that weight of evidence at a lower level that you can then it's easier to build up along the way. But I think too much of Scottish football is top down rather than uh, than bottom up.
0: I agree completely. You have mentioned quite a lot of other sports, uh, but I'm looking for a specific example from you. Uh, something that you'd bring to football that they're not currently doing that could be from another sport or even another industry.
1: Yeah, um, so I, uh, that, I that's sp- not
0: that's not alcohol at a match because no, we've just covered alcohol. that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, yeah, just get everyone boozed up, and, uh, and then <laughs> you can take people take you spend wild amounts of money in your club shop. Um, so I suppose, yeah, I th- I think there is the there's still a bit of the Scottish cringe that exists in Scottish football. And you can see that whenever someone tries to do something new. And uh, I, I'll, I'll hands up, I'm as guilty of that as anyone. <laughs> like, you know, the, 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 there is still a bit of a, you know, mm, uh, that, that's a bit try hard or whatever. But a really cool thing I saw recently, and I think that this could be easily be emulated, is um my, my NHL team is the, the New York Islanders, and they are moving to a new arena, uh, hopefully. Well, I think they're trying to be in later this year. And so to kind of get momentum behind that and encourage season ticket sales, although it's not overtly saying that as well, which I think is more interesting, is that they've created this thing called Isles Lab, which is them working with, um, I wouldn't say fashion, I would say you know, clothing outlets, um, but they create limited edition clothing that's not like team, appra- uh, 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 team clothing, but it's sp- not like... Not stuff to go to the gym in, but stuff to wear casually, if you know what I mean. So, like, scarves and, and hats and, and some pretty cool hoodies and stuff like that. And the thing is that season ticket holders get advanced, they get advanced notice of it. And I just thought that was, like, given how Scotland, you know, we've got a lot of creative people, um, you know, especially in the cities, like, you know, that that the actually there's so many link-ups that that universities and colleges could have with clubs, like former, formal partnerships that would see how things work like again like you know there the, the are colleges there's loads of apprenticeships people football grounds are primed primed for for experimentation you know, like and, and you, know, you obviously pals with them um, or something what they've done at Ten castle mm-hmm. but that the fact that that was seen as a big revolutionary idea we painted the, the wall like which was amazing and it's still it's fantastic and i'm very jealous of it like uh but the fact that that shouldn't have been such a big deal if you know if i'm trying to make sense yeah and so like you know if you're you know like morton or whatever the link up between west college you you should be looking at you know, sign up with west college and seeing what we could what are the possibilities Like you know that you know and the same with like you know gallifrey dean rovers are right next to the um harriet watts uh textile course and stuff like that like there must be there must be possibilities of just getting people in a room and seeing what could happen and i think that's where like Scotland, Scotland's a really small country, so how do we really, uh, in the in the end, with five million of us or whatever, that and everyone kind of there is a village mentality to a degree, that that we should be able to get synergy amongst all these creative places, like to to do stuff. But I, yeah, again, it's easy me just running my jaw and saying that than than actually getting it into building it into fruition. But I just feel that there are there are so many opportunities out there for us
0: no i I totally agree, and in terms of like link ups and partnership opportunities, then yeah there you would like to hope that there is people at clubs thinking about this type of thing, and hopefully it will come to fruition uh, eventually and some of the clubs do do it like there's there is examples of it, but yeah i I totally agree in terms of just having a a little bit more of an an extra think about going that. Not even the extra mile, but just taking something to a, a different level than than what has been done um, previously. I guess that does uh, lead me on to uh, the, another question in terms of maybe a, a club or an individual or even an organisation who you think uh, people should be following right now, uh, who are maybe doing some good stuff.
1: Yeah, it'll be a bit of a cliche, I suppose. Bohemians, I think, are just are, are and. Are doing great work and I think are an example to a lot of part-time clubs. I think there's there's a lot that that, that could be done there. And I think you can kind of see that. Like I think the stuff that Ewan's doing at Montrose is absolutely fantastic. Um and so like, I can I think we're get, we're we are starting to see clubs finding their tone of voice to use my uh to today to job sort of stuff, like you know, that 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 they're developing it. They're not just like cowden beef today, we're beaten by three teams Yeah, by you know, like that, that we're we're getting there. Again, the problem is that um when when the passwords get changed and the admins hand over to someone else and what have you but i yeah i think that the there's a there's a lot going well um i think what's interesting at the moment actually uh, uh, the, the, so it might not be present by the time it's come out but just seeing how glasgow clan are dealing with their um yeah. their their uh rink issues and stuff like that i think that that the, the, the and it's not entirely to my taste but i think that that sometimes this that, that that i think what they're doing is the only way they can um i'm not entirely convinced running a twitter campaign uh, against a company that aren't on twitter can sometimes work but like I, but the sentiments there and it's and it's i've seen more about that than i have about anything to do with british ice hockey you know really for for a while now so it's it's probably doing the right job uh in that regard so i think that i think that's really interesting and i, I, I suppose the other the other side and i think that something that need that is doing well and, and should be recognized for the, the good work it's doing is the um super, the netball league uh on, that's been shown on sky and stuff i'm pretty impressed by some of their content on instagram and stuff like that i think that they are doing a great job i think that it, it, it's such a sucker blow for them to have happened. Uh, This league trying to get momentum at the same time as a global pandemic's done, but it looks on TV looks like a smashing product and something that I would be quite keen to go to watch uh, when, when life gets back to normal.
0: This this is going to be so look like it's so planted, but I'm hoping that episode two of the podcast will be with Claire Nelson, who's from Ah, netball, netball Scotland and Strathclyde sirens. Um, I was going to ask you um, who you think or nominate, well, I'm, I'm going to say nominate, but who's someone that you think I should chat to in future on another episode of the podcast?
1: Uh, well, I think what would be interesting, because he seems like he he's quite thoughtful about these things, is um, Ross Dunbar, who's working at uh, Union Berlin and has lots of ideas. Uh, he's their head of English um, and... Th- seems to be very interested in the sports business side of things so i'd be i'd be uh pretty curious to, to hear his thoughts on on topics um that'd be pretty good cool
0: i will i will look into uh, i'll give ross a messaging and try and get one <laughs> um duncan thank
1: saying, you oh sorry what i was, was just, just gonna saying? say uh, yeah i was gonna say uh, Okay, closing thought is i think that i've probably come across sometimes a bit negative or a bit critical i don't mean to be that like, i think football Clubs are unique institutions in Scotland, and they touch a, they cut through Scotland like pretty much nothing else. So, I mean, I think what I, I would love to see to see football clubs in Scotland become multi-sport uh, and become community assets and proper anchors in their towns and cities. Um, and 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 through that, you can do so much. Like, there's so much you could do as a social good. I think football clubs should be looking at setting up things like credit unions and um, all sorts. Like you, know, you know, we've also seen the good work that some uh, supporter groups are doing with food banks and stuff. There's no reason why football clubs couldn't be more formally involved in that and, and giving up premises and things like that to actively be properly embedded in within their communities.
0: I totally agree in terms of the multi-sport aspect. Like I actually suggested that we did a kind of club x thing i don't know if you've ever listened to that episode. yeah we did did that and i I i'm flashing getting a flashback now to me suggesting that that could be a potential idea that clubs could look into because again, it comes back to like i said there's going to be the the key aspect of this podcast but making your stadium the club like the destination in the town um, and it it just comes back to that for me as well. For
1: uh, yeah, I think that there's there's the the altruist you know there's the good. Um, th- you should just do that just because it's a good thing. But also, I think there's a there's a huge benefit to your to your the the footballing nature of your of your club if you do that because I th- it's been it's been uh, I remember hearing Matt Williams the Scottish rugby former coach and would had a disaster time and stuff but he was talking about the fact that um he was like scottish and irish boys mature at a later stage than um the physio- physically than than uh, some other nations around the world like the, especially south africans and uh, uh and the new zealanders and you said mm. you know that's a problem because at set you know under 15 under 16 under 17 under 18 level they're just getting beaten the whole time, and there's no sense of enjoyment, fun, and you can lose them to the game. And you know, because they're not developing, then suddenly you know, they they might have a growth spurt at 19, but there's nowhere for them to go. And I think you see that in Iceland as well that you have people that, that might fall out of football, but are still within the club and playing handball, and then return and play football. Actually, after they've had that growth spurt, or they've you know, you're just keeping them involved and keeping them active is a, is a win in itself. But actually, you can if you don't lose that person because again we've seen you know, that the stars of the champions league last week you know some of them weren't playing top flight football at age 22 so i think there's so many opportunities to keep player development open as late as possible would be would be something hugely advantageous uh both just in terms of keeping people in the sport but also there's a good chance that it, <laughs> it results in in the club benefiting long term as well
0: i love it i love it duncan and we could probably chat for the next uh hour and 15 minutes as well (laughs) about stuff but um i will let you go and uh, i will say thank you so much for coming on this episode of the podcast
1: it was an absolute pleasure and uh yeah apologies for rabbiting on for too much
0: (laughs) you did not rabbit on at all um hopefully everybody listening enjoyed it and yeah big caveat is probably duncan and i couldn't be more passionate about scottish football we just want the best for everything and, and that is uh that's what we're we're hopefully come across uh, in that way and that was episode one of the sports marketing scotland podcast you can find duncan on twitter at dunk McKay, or listen to him on the terrace podcast on a regular basis If you enjoyed that, then please do consider sharing the podcast. Uh, You might even fancy following on your podcast listening service or providing a quick review on Apple Podcasts if you listen there. Anything would be massively appreciated. As I said already on the trailer, I'm on the lookout for future guests. So if you've got anyone in mind or you want to come on yourself to showcase your club, your organisation or your business, then please feel free to get in touch. And I'll see you next time.